threat, a, a dual threat, television and radio, and a really f- delightful person, outstanding reporter. How and long is the show? I think it's noon to three on the fan. <sighs> Ten eighty, the fan. So she Portland. and another person are doing a show. Yes. Did they and, replace somebody? I don't exactly know. Orange one knows everything. He could probably quickly now just. Okay. I, I haven't exactly heard their lineup about. for years because... The fan doesn't come in as well down No, here. it doesn't. And I'm still a terrestrial radio listener, John. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when I say, well, yeah, the station comes in pretty well, people, what do you mean come in? You can just, you know, <laughs> on demand, just, you know, follow, yeah. tune in anytime you want on any station anywhere and get the podcast later. I I don't live that way. I don't, I don't either. function that No, way. we're live we're, radio. we're two old guys. Yeah. And I drove to uh, Lowe's up in um, just South Salem, and I was listening to the Mariners intently to say, hmm, I'm just consciously asking myself, how well do we come in here? Right. And not bad in Woodburn. No. And it actually, I was listening all the way down, driving to the games down in Eugene, driving down Highway 99 through Junction City Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. on, listening to 1240. All the way in, really, and then even getting on Beltline and eventually kind of dumping down into uh, I-105 near the river and Autzen Stadium and all that. I could still pick it up okay. And I remember our good friend Bob Butler used to— That's uh, right. He and uh, Dorothy would drive around looking for the best spots in town (laughs) to listen to the Joe Beaver show. Yeah. Bless Bob's heart. They would go to—there were areas where the reception was better, but back to the main point— when I say I don't know of 1080 the fans' history, it's primarily because of not being able to hear it as clearly as a couple of right. other Portland stations that I do find myself listening to. Same 750. 1080 doesn't come in quite as well. And, you know, Brant Dirt and Sprague do a nice show there. Yeah. Uh, and AJ, I've heard it a couple of times. I've been able, but it just doesn't come in mm. as well. But, well, how long has she been doing it? Eh, just a couple of months now, I think. Oh, okay. I'll have to, it's fairly new. And so you know, shows evolve, and I'm just, I'll be interested to ask her how, how she's finding radio. She'll join us in a few minutes. She's also somebody that covers the entire gamut of sports in the right. state. The main upshot originally was to begin to get a feel for the Portland Trailblazers and the media and the sense Dwight will join us on Friday, as will Andrew Moore. We've got AJ today, Claire Corbett, who just competed in the heptathlon down at UCLA and in the Lewis and Clark invite in the heat this past weekend out of Jesuit High School in Portland from the OSU uh, track team. Claire Corbett will join us to talk about her experiences and the good year she and the team Mm -hmm. are having. She'll join us at 12.05. And Joel Walker with the men's soccer team NCAA tournament bound at 12.30. So that's the lineup today. Guest, pretty guest heavy, but we'll have some open phones along the way to talk about the baseball game last night, a good Mm -hmm. one, solid Mm -hmm. win, good pitching, good hitting. I mean, it was just one of those games where you weren't sweating out a Tuesday game against a, a club that, is uh, is not bad. They're ten no. and five in the West Coast Conference. Second place to Gonzaga. Exactly, and Gonzaga just beat Washington yesterday. So, you know, there there's very good baseball in that league. And the Beavers, you know, had a rough experience with Gonzaga two weeks ago on a Tuesday. Last night, the Beavers took care of business. It was fun to watch. Um, 
so the other day when I was taking Monday off, I was here. I was working on other things. Yeah. Just just got to get caught up and, you know, have, have the luxury of having Josh here. I was listening in my office, and I really enjoyed the conversation with Rich Dorman. Mm-hmm. Long time. He, yeah. gave, he gave you a half hour. Yeah, he, he and Don McClain immediately called each other. <laughs> Have you ever been on that Joe Beaver show? <laughs> what, did they keep you on for a day? <laughs> no, Rich was great. Yeah, he it, was, that was very insightful. Of, it was the longest conversation we've ever had with him on the show. He's yeah. been on once or yeah. twice in the past. Our, the ability to connect with him has been limited somewhat due to practice schedule and and various other restrictions, but he had time. It was an off day, and he gave some time on his off day to share some deep thoughts, as Saturday Night Live would say, about <laughs> the the quality of pitching Handy. that the Beavers are getting. He kind of went through every guy, although yeah. there were guys last night. That was the nice thing I liked about last night's game, John, was it played out the way the midweek games you hope would play. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say should, right? because there are no shoulds really in, in the game of baseball. It's a tough one. But last night, Rich and Mitch were able to put different guys in lineups and they came through, able to use some different arms that haven't, mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me, pitched much lately. And everybody performed pretty well. So that was a good night for the Bees. And I really enjoyed your conversation with Garrett Forrester. That was really good. I had a, a conversation with him, but it was, gosh, way, way back early, early on in the year. Uh, great kid, great yeah. story, uh, just really, really insightful. Good. Really solid. Yeah, a lot of solid young people on this team. I'm mm-hmm. enjoying the team. They have a challenging trip ahead now. UC Irvine's good. Yeah. They're 16-4 and four in, in league. Well, and, and in it's league. staying in one hotel probably. Yeah, I don't know that. I know Irvine's in Orange County, and that's a hike into is it a, Is it, it okay? Is All right, well, so maybe they'll move. I haven't talked to anybody about that. <laughs> but it just seems like, you know, you go down there for – I know that, you know, Loyola Marymount and UCLA are very close to each other, but uh, they'll be down there for two and a half weeks, non-conference baseball until yeah, the last week. UCLA. Two and a half weeks. It'll be. It's an eight-game, eleven-day. Tra- I mean, they leave tomorrow, and we'll get back the following Sunday night. So it's not quite two and a half weeks. It's a little bit under. Two well, weeks. you're right because they'll come I mean, home right a, after the UCLA yeah, game. Yeah, they've got a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series against UC Irvine. Tuesday, Wednesday at Loyola Marymount, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday at UCLA, and come home that night. None of those games are going to be easy. No, and they're and whether you say. Ten days, two and a half weeks. It's a long trip. Yeah, eight yeah. games in eleven days. Not unlike the first two weeks of the season when they're in Surprise, and then they stay in Phoenix and and play Grand Canyon or last year in Surprise, and then going all the way down to Mississippi uh, before coming home. So they they know the long yes, trips. They do. But they do. Um, I I thought of a question last night when I'm listening to you and working in, in my mm-hmm. backyard and listening to the radio. Gosh, I love doing that. Have you ever, you know, on the line of, I've never seen that, I've never seen this, I've, you know, all the different things we've never seen in baseball, I thought of something that's fairly routine, and I'm wondering if you've ever seen it, and that is a routine base hit that can only go for one base four times in a row and a run scores. It sounds easy and basic, but have you seen it? Guy gets a base hit, mm-hmm. and he's on first. Yeah. Next guy gets a base hit, and you can't oh. run past second, so oh, you've you got like first and second. Four straight singles? Four straight singles, but the kind of single that only advances is you only going to get you yeah. one base, and then a guy scores. Yeah, it's 
not common. I mean, that's unusual. Which but... is what baseball really is kind of meant to be: is get them just get a base hit, and then you score, and you and you, and that's how you do it. <laughs> I was uh, watching briefly last night, just kind of flipping through channels at home, an HBO documentary on Babe Ruth, and one of the things it, I didn't I watched just a little of it, but early in it, the upshot was John McGraw. <laughs> the cantankerous, great Hall of Fame manager of the New York Giants, when Babe came into the league, hated him. Hated what Babe Ruth was doing to baseball because of with one swing, not several singles in a row, yeah. bunts, squeeze plays, steals, hit and run, all that nonsense. Babe, with one swing, could score two runs himself or drive in three rather than all this little station-to-station yeah. -station, uh, short game. And, and not station to station is not quite right, but just predicated on moving runners with with hits, singles right. and, and bunts and all the bunt singles and, and slap singles and little ground balls through the six hole the other way like we Willie Keeler used to do. You know, I mean, Babe Ruth came and revolutionized the game. When you yeah. talk about people that have impacted a sport, I mean, Babe hitting 54 in 1920, that's it. We, we're now in the modern era. We're in the era of the long ball, and Babe Ruth himself invented that form of the yeah. game. Yeah. So if you took John McGraw from that time and time traveled to him to right now about Major League Baseball, he would see and hear a similar argument. Yeah. No, you're right. He, he That's correct. But he hated Ruth and thought that the game was going to be there's always people for the game has always been in some sort of trouble from some perspective there's no doubt about that all i know is last night was a good ball game yeah the beavers had a variety of hits extra base hits the gretler homer it was a good game to watch with aj mccord coming up the upshot originally was and with dwight coming on on mm -hmm. friday sort of that sense of inevitability now we're yeah. just heading down a road and i'm not sure aj is going to fire Terry Stotts today on the show. I don't think she has the authority to, and nor do I think she necessarily knows it's a done deal. But there does seem to be a sense that that's where we're heading with it. But I kind of just wanted to sample her as a reporter who covers the team home and away every game. What's gone on? What, what's happened? Why Charles Barkley loved the Blazers, mm -hmm. and so there's a sense of did he – Barkley and others' expectations were the unreasonable. Did the injuries just simply short-circuit the year? And you, Stott should not be judged. He will be, but he shouldn't be judged on a team that wasn't healthy enough for a fair evaluation for him or anything else. Or have they just flat-out underachieved and not gotten enough out of the talent they've had in his era, uh, the players tuning him out? You know, what? what is A.J. from her perspective as a reporter hearing – what is she hearing from the fans on her new radio yeah. show with yeah. tweets and texts and faces and books and so on, but also just how she's enjoying radio. But it's I want to go to the source in a sense, the city, the yeah. big city yeah. of Portland, and just what what is the buzz and mood up there? We we follow very loosely here. We you and me. When I say right. we, right. I'm sure we have rabid Blazer fans in our midst who don't miss anything. Right. And if if you are in that category, feel free to text us. A comment or a question at uh, 497-5356. We'll pass it along to AJ if you want to. We'd love to get input when we do broach the subject of the Portland Trailblazers, what you make of the year they're having, and whether you feel. I asked our own Josh Grossman. I said, do you think it's the end of the line for Stotts? Josh, answer, I hope so. You know, And that comes from an ardent Blazer fan <laughs> who's not saying, oh, I sure hope that guy gets fired. Nobody yeah. 
relishes or savors that, but just simply the Blazers need to move on from him. Right. As a, he's an ardent Blazer fan, and that's his viewpoint. Is it the common view right now? That's sort of what I want to get at with AJ. She would know from us. her show. She would have the pulse. She is up next. She has her own show coming up, I believe, starting at noon. So we're going to get to AJ McCord, kind enough to join us before her own radio show a little bit later with Claire Corbett from the Oregon State track team and Joel Walker from the NCAA tournament-bound men's soccer team, all part of the show today. Thanks for joining us on 1240 Joe Radio. You don't take your leisure time for granted, and at Yamaha, neither do we. Getting out on the water has never been so important to you and your family. That's why we've designed an innovative lineup of Yamaha Wave Runners for 2021, featuring an all-new VX series with integrated audio packages, the highly anticipated Superjet, and the new GP that sets the standard for enjoyment on the water. Get your new Yamaha Wave Runner at Power Motorsports in Sublimity, online at powermotorsports.com. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. Your locally owned and operated Oregon Qdoba Mexican Eats are happy to announce that their dining rooms are now back open from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. daily with limited contact carryout curbside pickup and third-party delivery options all available until midnight. So visit your closest Qdoba Mexican Eats or order online for lunch or dinner to enjoy a fast handcrafted meal prepared with fresh ingredients and innovative flavors. For that late-night craving, use the Qdoba app or order online at Qdoba.com. Qdoba Mexican Eats, made fresh, always flavorful. Middleton Heating has served the Mid-Valley for over 72 years and is still here to help you 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. AC causing you trouble? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. And don't forget Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders, large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs. Online at middletonheating.net. This is Mike Parker for Evenflow Plumbing, your trusted award-winning plumber for the Mid-Valley. Evenflow specializes in complete plumbing and drain cleaning solutions for residential and commercial jobs. They treat your home like it's their home, and their flat rate pricing means no surprises at the end of the job. Evenflow takes pride in doing the job right the first time. Just call 541-738-8853 for all your plumbing needs. When you need a pro, go with the flow. Evenflow Plumbing. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show, Mike Parker with John Warren, and a pleasure to welcome in a person who has been a friend of the show, covers, as we mentioned in our introduction a few minutes ago, the entire gamut of sports in the state, and in a sense that's even probably more pronounced now as a reporter for Coin6 TV and now a daily afternoon radio host with Dusty Hera on 1080 The Fan in Portland Noon to 3, A.J. and Dusty. So just ahead of her show today, A.J. McCord, kind enough to join us on the Joe Beaver Show. A.J., good morning. Thanks for your time. How are you today? Good morning. I'm good. I've always got time for you. We appreciate that, A.J. And So 
Let me just ask, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll encourage people to find your show. I've been able to here and there. How are you liking the radio stuff? You're a television person. I don't know how much radio you had done before this, but how are you enjoying it? And what are you going to be talking about today? Or do you never, does each show kind of take on its own shape as you turn the microphones on and start talking? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm loving it. Dusty and Will Darkins, our producer, are fantastic. They have helped me get in the, you know, swing of the radio show and the radio um, format, I guess, if you will, just so easily. And so it's it's been really awesome. We've had a ton of fun, lots of laughs. Really enjoying the ability, though, to go deeper on topics as well, because, you know, in television we get about two and a half minutes, three and a half, if we're lucky, each uh, newscast that we're in. And so to get the chance to talk with Dusty and our listeners for three hours a day about the trending sports topics and some of the deeper issues, the societal issues, social justice issues, it's it's really been a blessing, and I've enjoyed it uh, quite a bit, and hopefully the listeners has in as well. AJ, how do you interact with your listeners? And the reason I ask is we, we're in a different era now. We're still down here, John and yours truly, a couple of old souls that still throw out phone numbers to call and let's visit on, the, on, our, on our phone lines about things. I've listened to the fan quite a bit, and it feels as though you don't do open phones, quote-unquote, per se, in the old-fashioned manner of sports radio. Or do you guys on your show, and I just haven't heard it. Oh, no, we, we do uh, texting in. So we have a text line okay. that's constantly constantly going that people can text in on. Gotcha. And We, we just started And that. we have that. We've had a text line now for a while also. But are you, you're young, you're, you're much younger than us, but do you remember the days of sports radio that I'm talking about where it was really caller-driven and hosts and callers going back and forth? Oh, absolutely. I remember very vividly one of my first times on a radio program was calling into one when I was probably, I don't know, 15, 16, and I was so nervous because I was calling in after a Chargers game. And so I was so nervous. I had so many opinions, and I was afraid that, you know, I was going to sound dumb or whatever. And But, yeah, that was, that was my first experience was calling into a Chargers postgame show down in San Diego. Good times, good times. Hi, this is John with Mike. <laughs> How have you made the transition to going from reporting and uh, carrying a camera around and doing all of that to now opining? Because when you put yourself out there, you look a little different mm-hmm. than to those you are covering when you go to cover them. Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's truthfully the balance that I have really worked hard to maintain and it's it's the one that I think is the biggest challenge for me because at the end of the day one of the things that I still really pride myself on is that I'm on all of these zoom calls with players with coaches Mm -hmm. with teams from around the northwest and so I'm still talking to these players each and every day I'm still talking to these coaches each and every day and so those relationships really matter to me those relationships are really important to me and so I'm never going to be somebody who is your, I guess, traditional sports talk radio show host and that I'm not going to come out here with hot takes. I'm not going to come out here saying so-and-so should lose their job, so-and-so should get traded. I'm going to bring you the inside vibe or feel or quote or story that I'm getting from interacting with those players. And I'm not interested in, in making my sort of voice heard on radio by doing the opining. If I do any opining, it's in the sense of like, here's what I'm hearing, 
and here's the sad part about that, or here's the good part about that, or here's how it impacts on the field or on the field or on the court or whatever it is. And so I think that's been for sure a balance that I've had to search for, but I think hopefully it, it brings a different voice to radio and it brings a diverse perspective because again, I'm the one that's asking questions. I'm the one seeing all of these guys' faces on Zoom and hopefully in person again at some point. And those relationships are still the most important part of my job and my favorite part of my job, whether it's as a radio host or a TV personality. And so, um, yeah, I hope I hope that I've done a good job honoring sort of that element and staying true to who I am and, and my brand in, in that way. Oh, good. I'm glad you answered it that way, A.J. A.J. McCord, Coin TV 6 reporter, midday host on Sports Radio 1080, The Fan in Portland, noon to 3. And you've joined us before and talked about your experiences down in Fayetteville before coming to Portland and the Beavers National Championship run in 2018 mm-hmm. with respect to that. I appreciate what you're saying. I guess I'm wondering then if you were a 15-year-old and called in to a Chargers postgame, were you being provoked by a host? Who was, yeah, I, Jim Rome makes me laugh when he starts imitating Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and I want to hear from a Charger fan and El Segundo, that type of thing. I mean, did you grow up in that milieu and environment when where hosts were being a bit more combative or provocative? Well, I think I called into the post-game show. I don't even remember what I was calling in about, but I felt like they were missing it. Like, okay. I remember thinking whatever whatever they were talking about, whatever angles they were taking at the game, I was like, oh, you're missing this aspect of it. Like, mm-hmm. you're not addressing it from this perspective. And, I I mean, this is like two decades ago now, so I don't really remember what I was, <laughs> what I was so passionate about. But I remember – you know, that was it, was feeling like, oh, you're not viewing it from this angle, and, and why aren't you talking about this side mm-hmm. of the game or this element of the player or whatever. And so I think still in that moment, even though, you know, I, I called in sort of to have that interaction with a with a host, it still sparks from the same spot of like, hey, yeah. you're not seeing it yeah. from this angle, and this is the angle I'm seeing it from. I want to share that with you. I like that. AJ, let's... Uh... I want to get to what you're going to talk about today and this this sense of uh, impending doom, if I may quote uh, The Killers, one of their songs, impending, whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that's coming for the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers, whether you feel it should be or shouldn't be. I want to get to that in a moment. But one last thing before we get to the Blazers proper. what? How did the Beavers run in the NCAA tournament on the men's side? Did it move the needle some in Portland? Could you tell there was some excitement amongst, you know, texters and listeners and so on, not only to 1080, but around the city? Did you see Beaver Nation getting into that? And was it something fun for you to, to cover and talk about? Oh, absolutely. In fact, Scott Ruick, I mean, I know we're talking about the men, but the Scott, Scott Ruick was our first um, guest on mm-hmm. the AJ and Dusty show. And so the Beavers run, both men and women, was so much fun because it was so unexpected. And yet it, it, it just showed such perseverance from those players and from Coach Tinkle. And you just saw them come together. And I think that's something that you can't underestimate the power of in sport is you can be outgunned, outmatched, outsized. But if you have better chemistry, if you come together in the right way and can pick apart another team, make them get insecure in their own abilities, which is what I felt like the Blazers or the Beavers did for much of their time in the NCAA tournament, you can go 
so much farther than it looks like you should mm-hmm. on paper. And so everyone was excited about that. And the fact that, I mean, we're in Oregon. It's so great to have your state be the topic of conversation in the national ba- national basketball spotlight, if you will. Like that basketball's biggest stage and on the college level is NCAA tournament. And Oregon and Oregon State both have such – there, there should, should be so much pride around what they accomplished when the lights were the brightest this year. And all four programs in it. Well, that's cool. Now, that really was cool for the state and good for business probably in the sports world that you cover. But you, you do, you mentioned you're on the Zoom calls every day. You cover the Blazers intensively. How, what do you make of this season, AJ? And do you sense, even if you agree or disagree, what I'm talking about, what I'm hearing down here in the Mid Valley in Oregon, doesn't bode well for Coach Stotts, it seems. What's your sense of things? What are you hearing from your listeners? Yeah, it does feel like um, the sands are sort of running out of the hourglass, is how I look at it, right? You've had this core of Terry Stotts, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and Yusuf Nurkic, and those four have really been untouchable in the last three, four, five years. Um, and so it's starting to feel like the sands are running out on, on that experiment. Like if they, if those four can't figure out how to make it further than the first round, second round, then maybe this, this team needs to take a really hard look at themselves this off season, whether that's Terry Stotts or, or one of the players. I think it's, it's, easy for for the head coach to be a fall guy especially when there's a lot of talent and so from talking to both the players and the coaches and and just sort of obviously hearing from our listeners quite a bit I think there is a sense of you know frustration because there's so much talent and yet they lose these close games and then they get blown out by teams that are better than them and there's no reason for that and the the thing that's really odd this year as different than any other year that I've covered the Blazers intensively is this is normally the time of season when regardless of what has happened up to this point, the Blazers do exactly what the Beavers did, which is come together, work together, tune out the outside noise. They get stronger as they get closer to the end of the season. Their chemistry is better. It's much more of an us against the world mentality. And right now it just feels fractured. And part of that, I think, is the noise from from the you know the crowd that wants Terry Stotts gone. Part of that is, is the fact that Damian Lillard had to do so much while the Jamal Collins and Yusuf Nurkic were gone. That now you've got three games where Dame has missed. He's supposed to come back against the Nuggets tonight. Yusuf Nurkic not on the court last night, so it's feeling very scattered, very fractured around the Blazers program. And that's different for this team, for a Damian Lillard and Terry Stotts-led team to show any sort of fracture. So that's, to me, what, what has me believing that this offseason could see some major change and we could see quite a bit of, of upheaval, if you will, in that core four. Yeah. Last couple of things, AJ. Thanks for your time today. Is it, just sim- is it too simple to say, well, the injuries have been so uh, catastrophic and numerous and 
have affected things so much that Stott should not be judged on what's happened this year? Or do you think that that even that as a defense, so to speak, of Stott's is ringing hollow now? I think it's ringing a little hollow now just because of how many years we've sort of had this same conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where it starts to ring hollow is that all every year there's something and the best coaches with overcome those somethings, right? Like there's no team that hasn't been through something. The Nuggets just lost Jamal Murray. They're undefeated without him. Mm-hmm. The Lakers have been without LeBron and Anthony Davis for who knows how many weeks and months. And still, they're ahead of Portland in the standings. So I think you look at the best teams and and the best coaches overcome anything that gets thrown at them. And and right now, there's a feeling of if that's the excuse, it's one we you know the Portland fans have heard one too many times. Yep. Last thing then, and that is, how much do you and Dusty engage in coaching from the? Uh, coaching from the from the radio studio or whatever else because we as fans all have ideas about how the Blazers can get better, what lineup should be played, what the rotation should look like, who should get heavier minutes, how they should defend the pick and roll, etc. Is Dusty more on that side of things than you? You know the sport well. So how much do you two engage in when you go about analyzing a Blazer game, loss, win, whatever, engage in – breaking down the basketball itself and offering helpful suggestions. Uh, yeah, well, you know, Terry Stotts is an avid listener to AJ and Dusty, so I'm sure he thinks every word that we say is gold. Um, but I think, I mean, we talk about it. Like today, we're obviously going to break down the loss against the Clippers. I think we were both impressed with the effort, the energy that Portland showed. But still, again, there's the same sort of concern. And then with 15 games left, how much are you really going to move? And so should we be as invested? I think the question that we have today is should we be invested in each and every game as a win or a loss, or should we only be invested in where the Blazers are in the standings? Because it seems like that's sort of where they're at. Is They want to stay at six. They want to avoid the playing game. And as long as they do that, they're good. And so I think that's sort of what we get into is more of the storyline, the overarching the overarching theme, if you will, of that like particular Blazers tactic as opposed to, um, you know, breaking down flares, screens, boards, whatever. That's not so much our worst storytelling show. And, yeah. and so we, we get into the story more. In the it, it, Dwight James is going to join us Friday. We're kind of, we're so caught up in Beaver stuff here. We don't, talk about the Blazers that often, but with the storylines going the way they have been, Dwight's been around for a long time, as you know. He told me that recently mm-hmm. Stott said something to the effect, they were arguing about something, and Terry said, Dwight, you want to come in and watch a film? We'll show you the film when they were bra- when they were arguing about some point of how to defend the pick and roll or to do things a little differently. I found that amusing when Dwight shared that with me. I didn't hear that exchange but there's oftentimes, it seems, A.J., and we close on this with a sense of when a coach is under pressure, then that little, the back and forth with the local media becomes a little bit more combative. Have you felt that a little bit, too? I mean, I think a little bit, but I'm not offended by it. I'm not hurt by it. He's, he's a human being at the end of the day. It's our job to ask questions that matter and that fans want to hear the answers to. 
it's his job to defend himself and his team. So mm-hmm. he, at the end of the day, if anybody comes at me with a harsh line of questioning, I'm going to get a little defensive. And that's <laughs> exactly what Terry Stotts is doing because at the end of the day, yes, he's answering questions. Yes, he's a basketball coach. But he's a person, and no one likes to be told that they're not doing a good job or insinuating that, you know, you're not doing your job to the best of your ability or you're squandering mm-hmm. some of the talent that you have at your disposal. Nobody likes that. And so, yeah, it gets a little testy at times, especially when the team's not doing well. But I personally don't take that personally. You know, yeah. that it's, yeah. it's part of the gig, and I get it, and I hope he understands that. It, it doesn't say anything, at least I'll speak for myself, it doesn't say anything about him personally. He's always been so kind to me, so welcoming, so inclusive. And mm-hmm. so I think as a person, he's he's a really great, great person. Great, you know, players love him. But I hope he knows, and I think he does, he's a professional, is, is that, you know, we're all professionals. We have jobs to do, but at the end of the day, there's, there's nothing personal about it. Terry Stoss is a great human being. He happens to have some questions about whether or not he can take this team to the, to the level that it wants to be, yeah. and, and that's all it is. AJ, great to talk to you. Thanks for making time. Have a fun show today, I hope. Noon to 3, 1080 The Fan in Portland. Thanks for joining us again. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. AJ McCord, our guest. I didn't mean to, to no, no, bow to, out. I felt bad because no, I know. she's I was got gonna a show. T- I was going to take her right up to the top of well, the hour. But you, I know. You, it just would have it would have prolonged it. I just thought, man, yeah. if I'm going to do a three hour show, I, I I gotta go. I know. A quick question: What is what's going on here with something called a super league? I'm serious. I'm looking at Dan Wolken, USA Today columnist, yeah, exploring a college super league. And I thought I saw a tweet somewhere saying that if there is a super league, and there should be because super is. <laughs> the word of the, the 21st century, then there should be a super league, and it would be super to have a, a super league. Yes. I'm super excited. What's about your it. question? But, I'll see okay, if I can answer. Okay, the question it. is Did I see a tweet that, well, if there, be, if there was a college super league, you can't answer whether I saw it or not. I think yeah, I did. Yeah. But that only USC and Oregon out of the conference would be in that super league. Well, okay, here's my answer That's, to that. Okay. Clay Travis brought up the topic yesterday morning. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Okay. And had a guy on, and they were talking who would be in this Super League from the Pac-12. And USC and Oregon, there was somebody who was it said Washington in there as well. <laughs> it's and kill I think Washington it was Clay. And then, they weren't the first thought of. Yeah, yeah, no. And then the other guy, I can't remember who it was, Said, well, that's that's awful uh, nice to Washington right now be, because right now the <laughs> the two programs that have been the most consistently on top, Oregon and USC, for a Super League. <laughs> but it's just being thrown out okay. there on the heels of this Premier League deal yes. of Super League, which, by the way, is collapsing. Is collapsing. I don't know anything about that. I don't watch that soccer. I only watch World Cup, um, which is fascinating. But I don't watch any of that Premier League stuff. I'm just learning how it even works with the ownership. They did talk this morning about how a lot of the many of the teams in those those leagues overseas are owned by owners of of NBA and NFL franchises, 
and that these guys have billions of dollars and they own more than one. So they'll and I didn't even know that the guy that owns the Jaguars owns a couple of teams uh, uh, or one team over there and someone else Cuban. I don't know. But anyway, mm-hmm. so they are there's a little bit of a, a push. Well, there was a big pushback from the Europeans who are fans of their own leagues saying, oh, the rich Americans are coming over here trying to Americanize our mm. sport. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the major, major backlash. That's all I know from headlines and from a few things from the Clay Travis show. Okay. But also, they, they came up with this idea. in They put the whole thing together, and it would make billions from what I heard this morning and learned, and would be great for them and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Billions for the 32? Yeah. In 24 hours, it collapsed. They're all running from the idea because of how massive the backlash was. The blowback was. was. Okay. Let's break. Have any of you done any more thinking, pondering, reading, reflecting on Super Leagues, whether in international soccer, in college football, Mm. to have... You know, Dan Wolken apparently kicked it around in a USA Today column. If you have any thoughts about any of it or the Beaver win last night, a little closer to home, 497-5356. And do we have any ardent Blazer fans in our midst who know and see the writing on the wall? He's done. Short of a, a, a trip to the Western Conference Finals, he's done. And you want him done? You had enough? AJ, you know, kind of said it feels like the sands are trickling through the hourglass. That's a pretty good metaphor. Yeah. Is that is it coming to an end? And are you hopeful that it is? Not because you hate, you hate Terry Stotts, but just as a fan, you want to see the organization get beyond kind of a a plateau or even worse rut that they're in. Uh, any thoughts on any of that? Four nine seven five three five six twelve forty Joe Radio. COVID has changed a lot of things in our lives, and it can be hard for anyone. If you're struggling to cope, you don't have to go it alone. There's strength in reaching out. When you call the Safe and Strong Helpline, you can find support in your community. It's free and private, so your information won't be shared. Call 800-923-HELP to connect with someone who's ready to listen and who cares. That's 800-923-4357. We're stronger in community. If your RV or trailer is sitting in storage or out on the ring, let Guarantee pay you cash for your rig. Cash for campers means no more storage and no more worries. My name is Bo and I live in Cottage Grove. Cash for campers put over $10,000 in my pocket. We were waiting until summer to sell our trailer, but Guarantee gave us cash right now. Guarantee will give you $500 if we can't beat any Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. My name is Jessica and I live in Springfield. Thanks to Guarantee, we no longer have a monthly storage bill, and we have more than enough money to remodel our kitchen. Trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, motorhomes, they all qualify for cash for campers. I'm Paul. Uh, We've been stuck at home for about nine months now. Guarantee made it really easy for us. No hassles. They came and picked up our fifth wheel at our house and delivered our check. Text RV for me to 55678 for special offers or visit Guarantee.com. That's RV, the number four, me, to 55678. Guarantee RV is here to help you put cash in your pocket. People are talking about Thai Express and Corvallis. Jim says, Love this place, my new favorite. 
best pad thai I've ever had, and always fantastic service too. Come and experience traditional Thai recipes with a sprinkle of new world creativity and customized to your taste. It's same same, but different. Don't be shy. Give them a Thai. Thai Express, locally and veteran-owned on 9th Street behind Little Caesars in Corvallis. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beeves. Happy with your job? Looking for more than just a job? Build a career with Antec. Enjoy competitive pay, full benefits, health insurance, 401k, tuition reimbursement, and much more. Antec is growing and wants you to be part of their team. From welders, electricians, and CNC machinists to HR generalists, accounts payable specialists, and more. To see a complete list of all available positions and job requirements, visit Antec.com under the Employment tab. That's E-N-T-E-K.com or call for more details. Antec is an equal opportunity employer. Interesting, Johnny. Uh I don't know if I've ever seen a collapse like that. <laughs> they were talking this morning on Clay Travis about how, how did you not do your due diligence? Because you know the, it had to have taken a long time to come up with and mm-hmm. get all the owners on the same page and say, yeah, let's do this. It's not just there were 12 of them, a correctly. day's worth of phone calls. Right. So they had this whole, but as soon as they rolled it out, as you, the blowback was so immense. Huge. That it's- Five teams instantly. So, oh, okay, oh, sorry, sorry. I, I like that. I'm, I like that you, we all fantasize about the people have spoken about bad ideas. Right. That's probably the biggest that I've ever okay. seen. We have uh, Ken joining us on the Downward Dog phone line. If you'd care to, the number is 541-497-5356. That's good for the University Honda text line as well. Ken, good morning. Thanks for the call. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Well, thanks, Mike. Yeah, I've been dying to get on uh, over the last week and talk to you about the moving of the mound. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a huge baseball traditionalist, so I'm against it, but I, I wanted to tell you why. I read an article. I don't even know if the paper's still produced, but my favorite sports magazine for years when I was growing up and following baseball was the Sporting News. Yes. And they always had a great baseball section to look at box scores and do all those things. But they did at one time a study of moving the mound and what it would produce. And my, my recollection, uh, if you can find it or have one of your researchers find it, is that if you move the mound back, the, the speed of the ball gets higher. The, the, their, their study was at 61.5 or 62 feet. It, currently, the ball is still accelerating when it hits the catcher's glove for most pitchers. And if you move the mound back, the ball is actually going faster. So wow. that was one of their reasons for uh, not looking too much at it more than that, and people were against it because of the speed. And the, the, the break of the curveball also gets greater with an extra foot. If you think about this, the breaking balls of today, yeah. they break off 18 inches of good ones. If you get an extra foot, 
could you make a, a curveball break an additional foot to make it harder on the batter? Mm-hmm. Just throwing okay. that out to you, I just thought you'd get a kick out of Ken, that. Ken, that is, and you have a rough idea how long ago that Sporting News study was. I want to say, okay, I'll, I'll date myself here. I've talked to you before. I'm from L.A., big Dodger fan. Yes, yes. Uh, before, before fantasy baseball got into Yahoo and ESPN, when I played fantasy baseball, um, we, we actually counted the points by looking at box scores. Um, <laughs> that's how far back I go. Like, I want to say it was 10 or 15 years ago when I subscribed to it. I don't even know if it's – I haven't seen the sporting news in a long time. I don't even know if it's still produced. That's but a I good would say question. 10 to, 10, yeah. to, 10, to, 10 to 12 years ago, I think the 10 article to 12. was out but was the upshot that velocity was too high then, and this is why? You know, was that driving the conversation? Uh, no, I think the driving the conversation was um, let's make it harder on the pitchers. At that time, this is before the all uh, the, the the statistics and the sabermetrics and the launch angles. Mm-hmm. Is that there was there was too that the, the pitcher had too much of an advantage ten or twelve years ago. At that time before the big switch, the speed of the pitch, the, the guys being able to throw 95, 98 was really making a big difference. And, 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 and actual run production was down at that time, 10 or 12 years ago, prior to this new wave of offensive launch angles and everything. Yes. And they were wondering if they needed to do kind of a Bob Gibson deal again. Right. Where right. We, need to, we need to equal the playing field for the hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's still what's driving it now, though. I mean, that is the same argument on behalf of moving it back a foot, is that the average velocity, Corbin Burns, 40 strikeouts, no walks, 97, 98, 99. The, the argument is... And what it, it's very interesting what you tell us, Ken. I, I, I'm not aware of the study. I don't know what the methodology is. The studies that I've been seeing with respect to moving the mound back a foot is to give the hitters a chance to, to make it harder uh, because the reaction time will be slightly increased with the extra foot, just enough that hitters won't be striking out 12, 14 times a game. So there still is the idea of the Bob Gibson effect, lower the mound, Make stimulate offenses. Why they would try to do this? You're saying that the sporting news was saying it'll have the opposite effect because the balls will be even faster coming in. Faster, yeah. Although the extra foot gives you a little bit more time, yes. But the speed takes it takes takes that away. That was number one. Uh-huh. I, I think it's, and I don't think strikeouts has anything to do with it. Personally, playing the game when I was in high school and. Watching it for so many years, following you, of course, I love love your play calling. Um, I think it's all about the the way people are swinging the bat now, and right. that's why there's so many strikeouts. They're, everybody's trying to hit a home run, get the launch angle, and it's just not. It, that's what's causing the strikeouts because they're not they're not punished for striking out 108 right. times in the big leagues anymore. Right. It not- used to be if you struck out 108 times, you were you were sent down to the minors. You're striking out too much. There was a real stigma around it. There was a stigma to being exactly. a guy who struck out a lot. Dave Kingman, for example. You know, exactly. King, Kingman hits exactly. 442. I think Kingman has more home runs than anybody who isn't in the Hall. But people say, well, he, he's not a Hall of Fame hitter. 442. Uh, why not? He strikes out all the time. You know, but now that would not yeah. be held against certain power guys, and it isn't. No, and there's power hitting second baseman and third baseman. I mean, second baseman and shortstops now. Fifteen years ago, 
there was maybe one, yeah. you know, yeah. power-hitting shortstop. Now every team's got a power-hitting shortstop. Mm-hmm. So the game has changed so much to the power game that strikeouts, there's, there's second, and, second baseman and shortstops that strike out 175 times. If you were to say that in 1975, yeah, right. you, would, you would, call, would call somebody crazy. That shortstops and second basemen are contact hitters, and they don't strike out 175 times. Can good um, stuff. But I, yeah, it, it's really interesting. It's an interesting argument. I, it, I, I'd love to follow you on your, your research as you learn more about that because I, I don't think it would make much of a difference, I think. Yeah. I, I hate – I'm fascinated that the game hasn't changed that much and all the dimensions are still the same after 100 years. That's I think a it's great amazing point. That yeah, it's a great nothing's point. Nothing's changed. Right, and it gives continuity to the game yes. that – even, you know, John said if, if somebody landed here from 1895 and just plopped and saw a baseball game, even with the profound changes in, in body shape and style of play and f- the velocity of pitching, and bases at 90 feet, mound at 60 feet, 6 inches, that's been good since 1893. Right. Let me add one thing. Yeah. My brother had a great argument. If the game has changed so much with the athlete. Everybody runs faster now, mm-hmm. stronger. Why aren't there 50 guys that steal 100 bases every year? <laughs> why does the 90 feet? Why does 90 feet yeah. still work yeah. with the quality of athletes that we have now? That that they can't steal second base <laughs> with all the mechanisms of throwing the pitch to the plate and the catcher throwing down to second base. Why? Why is that still hard to do? Yeah, it's, it's a, a good question. Very good question. Yes, and you've you've provided a lot of uh, stimulating stuff here, Ken. I appreciate you calling. I'm going to see if I can, you know, if anybody knows a Kip Carlson might about that sporting news study. That's interesting. And you ask a good question, but I think it partly gets back to what Pat Casey has said and others on this subject. You kind of. Owners right now, owners and players are getting what they want, getting the results they want, getting players to to emphasize home runs, launch angle, and all of that, and at the expense of the game being played with a more uh, diversified approach offensively. But that it's not it's not so much you have to move the mound back and do all these other things. You get what you emphasize, and right now it's the long ball. That's that's carrying the day and being emphasized. So ball players who want to make the big contracts and cash in are swinging the bat that way, and you don't blame them. They're they're trying to cash in on what owners and fans and supposedly television networks and so on want. Yet at the same time, we're in this era. Is also at the same time we're talking about quote the dying game and the game's losing its appeal and popularity. Could the two have a connection that we we don't like the proliferation of home runs as much as quote they think we do right and i think it waters the game down you know because you you speak the way i do it with baseball to me runners on base create tension yes it creates tension and the bunt with a man on first and second and nobody out causes tension in the game and more more excitement in the long run than the single home run the one-run home run in the third inning. Yeah. Although that makes that makes the highlight film on ESPN. It does. No. Center. no, it does. But 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 it doesn't make the game more fun to watch if you're watching a nine-inning game as a fan. 
Great call, Ken. Thank you. Good to hear from you, sir. Thanks for the call. I remember watching sports, well, not Sports Center, but late night news for baseball, and one home run in a ball game was a big deal. <laughs> I know. It really was. One I home know. run in a ball game. Oh, and so and so went yard. Oh, my gosh. Did you see that? Right. Call my friend Jamie. Did you see that home run by Johnson? We're talking in the 70s. Home runs were cool enough that. Yeah. The and unique enough that box score, box score comb, you're combing through box scores. Oftentimes, I know when that was a daily thing in my life. I wanted to see who did hit home runs because, oh hey, Kingman hit two today, mm-hmm. you know, or whomever. I want to see if if somebody who was on a bit of a roll hit another one, or I could I would go first to the line, score four one one one, and look down. Believing that that's going to be a solo shot for yeah. Conforto yeah. in the fifth or whatever, four one 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 is usually a sign of a home run. But those days are gone. Just looking at box scores and studying that way—I I don't know. So many, so many things are gone. But I keep watching Madrigal's line, and he's not a home run hitter. He is a contact hitter to get on base. Yes. So where does he fall does he in fit? this world? Because it seems like he's he's going to be a regular guy now. I hope so. I remember when he was being drafted, you know, getting ready to be drafted, and I think even Pat himself and others talked about him being Pedroia-like as he got bigger and stronger, uh, that he could be a ten to fifteen guy, home run type of guy. I, has he? I don't think he's hit one yet in the big leagues. It's early, but does he need to be? You know. I mean, the upshot of Ken's article was everybody's hitting home runs now, and does that include, I mean, if you're a Nick Madrigal, if he's going to be a long-lasting, I think he's going to be. Yeah. Because he's just a flat-out wizard of a hitter. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that it won't be held against him if he doesn't start driving the home run numbers. I don't see how anything can hurt you if you are a guy that you can count on you're getting at least one on base, base hit a game. Right. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, I, I like mean, it. you need base runners, even if it's just so that the next guy can hit a home run and have right. it be more than one no, run. That's true. That's true. The, I, you got to hope and believe there will always be a place for his type of approach. Yeah. But there are fewer of him than the others, you know, with the long ball so much in vogue. I, it's curious. There's a lot of things being talked about to try to uh, improve the game. Does uh, it need it? Does no. that conversation need to continue? Claire Corbett from the OSU track team next. All set, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with Your Money Now. It's an impressive Wall Street debut for UiPath, the company which makes software that helps automate business tasks, had its initial public offering priced at $56 a share, but it's currently trading above $69, representing a more than 20% premium to the offering price. That gives UiPath a valuation at around $38 billion. Overall, stocks are solidly higher today, rebounding from a two-day slump. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 242 points currently. The S&P 500 has gained 26, while the Nasdaq Composite has recouped 95 points. U.S. oil prices retreated today. Crude for June delivery, the new front-month contract, slid 2.1%. 
The former top distiller at Jack Daniels says he and several partners are opening a new whiskey distillery near the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. Company Distilling will first open a 4,000-square-foot tasting room and restaurant in Townsend, Tennessee, a 20,000-square-foot main distillery in Alcoa, and a tasting room in Thompson Station will follow. That's your money now. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health. Policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-714-6633. That's 1-800-714-6633. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-714-6633. Selectquote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health. It's the Sea-Doo Ready-to-Ride event at Power Motorsports. Find your definition of fun on the water with our lineup of incredible rides, including our new performance-driven Sea-Doo RX-PX. It's the perfect ride to accelerate into adventure and zip through the sea. Visit today and let the experts help you find the right Sea-Doo for your lifestyle. Your Sea-Doo life starts at just $54.99 or just $99 per month at Power Motorsports in Sublimity. Certain conditions may apply. Contact your dealer for details. Is there ever a reason you wouldn't want to feel confident? <laughs> I didn't think so. At the Natty Dresser in downtown Albany, confidence is exactly what we want to inspire. When you wear quality clothing that fits you perfectly, you feel great and act with confidence. Don't just dress for where you are. Dress for where you want to be. The Natty Dresser. Purveyors of quality menswear on the corner of 2nd and Broad Alban Street in historic downtown Albany. Dress well. Be confident. Find success. Hi, this is Matt Vaskersian with another little-known legend of sports. Who's the best center fielder that you may never have heard of? Our vote goes to Wally Berger, a power-hitting outfielder for the old Boston Braves, whose 38 home runs in 1930 stood as the Major League rookie record until Frank Robinson tied it in 1956, and Mark McGuire shattered it with 49 homers in 1987. When the first All-Star game was played in 1933, Berger was the starting outfielder for the National League. No less an authority than Babe Ruth named him as the best center fielder in the game. In his first seven seasons with the Braves, Berger averaged 28 homers, 103 runs batted in a year, and a 307 batting average. So why is he largely forgotten today? In 1936, Berger hurt his shoulder. His power numbers declined, and the injury finally forced him to retire early in 1940. Wally Berger's career stats weren't quite good enough for the Hall of Fame, but his impressive early years do qualify him as a little-known legend of sports. Research shows people remember radio ads that remind them of the past. So to help you remember that Liberty Mutual Insurance Company customizes your home insurance so you only pay for what you need, here's an ad that'll really take you back. Back in my day, I heard a voice from the radio say, Liberty Mutual customizes my home insurance so I only pay for what I need. I'm getting on in years now, but <laughs> at least Betsy there are some things an old fella like me just never forgets. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. 
Every two minutes, a woman in the U.S. is diagnosed with breast cancer. And in that split second, her life changes forever. The toll of breast cancer is great. The need to support those who are battling the disease today is even greater. We're fighting alongside patients because we know one moment can change a lifetime. United by hope, we can end breast cancer. Join our fight. Save lives. Testing, testing, one, two, three, four. In these contentious times... Sir, you've asked a simple-minded question. I will give you an equally simple-minded answer. We invite you to escape for the next couple of hours into the world of The Joe Beaver Show with your hosts, John Warren and Mike Parker, and occasionally, Doug Blair. All right, men, we're not here to sell lemonade. We're here to practice. No one breaks it down any better. Old Indian game. It's called, uh, put the ball in the hole. Uh, so what are these little arrows? Let Joe Beaver be your guide into the bold new world of technology. Uh, radio. That's going to break down a lot of walls. Yes? The door is wide open. Recreation time, gentlemen. So come on in. Be a part of the Joe Beaver Show on the home of the Beavers, 1240 Joe Radio. We head into the second hour on another gorgeous day in the Mid-Valley. We have had a nice run of them. I, do you tell me, John, though, do you tell me that the weather will be different this weekend? Yes. Okay. Light rain. Light rain, which is probably a little more typical of what our next guest is used to competing in. She was part of a group of athletes from Oregon State that competed in the Lewis and Clark Invite this past Saturday at Griswold Stadium when the temperature was in the mid-80s and I imagine even hotter on the track. So Claire Corbett, who competed in that, will compete in the Oregon Relays this weekend in Eugene in the 200 meters, the long jump, the 100 hurdles, is joining us on the show for the first time, and we can ask her just what her preference is. 85 and hot at Griswold? A little light rain in Eugene, Oregon this oh, weekend. Good question. Uh, so that's kind of where we'll start, Claire. There's a lot of things we want to talk with you about. Claire Corbett, our guest. Claire, thanks for joining us. But let's just start with that. Which do you prefer uh, as an athlete? Uh, Weather-wise, yes. definitely raining but um it was pretty hot in um portland this weekend and also at our meet in san diego the weekend before i i'd say i'd take the sun any day but <laughs> maybe not that hot <laughs> now did you you did go to jesuit high did you grow up in portland and with your mom from what i understand a heptathlete at the University of Oregon. Have you been in track your whole life, and so rain and all of that shouldn't bother you a whole lot? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I definitely um, grew up doing track my whole life, and I think the majority of it was spent in the rain, unfortunately. <laughs> but I'm definitely used to it, and it's not something that um, – phases me anymore really right how long have you been a heptathlete is that something you gravitated toward early or something that's new for you um so when i was getting recruited in high school 
all of my coaches that were calling me were like, oh, we want you to do the heptathlon. I'm like, what, what is that? I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, if you know what the heptathlon is, it's uh, seven different events, yeah. including um, 100 hurdles, high jumps, um, shot put, the 200, long jump, javelin, and the 800. And so in high school, I already did uh, both hurdles, sprint, jumps. I had never thrown before or done the 800. So I, I was very interested in it, and it seemed like um, if that's what everyone wanted me to do, that uh, it'd probably be a good path for me. So I did one hip path one before going into my um, collegiate career. And I really loved it. I already was used to kind of being pulled in different directions um, during regular meets. And I almost felt like the heptathlon was almost more relaxing because events didn't overlap. And I had like 30 minutes in between each one. Sure. And then, um, yeah, so I've I've been doing that for the past four years um, at Oregon State. When you first got introduced to it, and you talked about that one competition before you you got into college, and there were events you hadn't done, or at least hadn't really stressed, was there one that you did that you thought you didn't do very well at it, but you like it, and you were kind of uh, inspired to wanting to get better at it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I had a little bit of help from my mother, of course, um, going into it. I mean, we didn't do a lot of training, just a couple shot put job practices. I don't think I did any real training for the eight, but um, yeah, I think I definitely found them more frustrating than I thought they would be. But um, as I've continued to practice them and train, I've fallen more in love with throws and like jab and shot than I thought that I would have. Um, the 800 is still not my favorite. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that's any athlete's favorite event anyways. Is that, why is that Claire? Is it just that's that distance is enough that, I mean, it takes you to a different realm than what you're comfortable with. What, when you say for most heptathletes, that's the biggest challenge. Why is that? Um, I mean, there's definitely heptathletes where that is a strong suit of theirs. And I would say that being a heptathlete, you have that strength and mentality to get through an eight. I think everyone usually is on the same page as that. But I, my first thought when thinking of the eight is just all the girls nervously walking back and forth down the track before getting to the start line. Everyone's kind of like... Oh, like what? What time are you trying to run? Like, should I say by you? I don't, I, like, <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah. I think um, it was definitely something new for me, and it like once I started training in college, my workload of running changed to fit that a little better. So I think I've definitely got more of a handle on it. I remember my. Um, my freshman year, I think compared to my first 800 to my second or third, I had dropped like 
15, 20 seconds wow. just because yeah. I realized how how you're supposed to run it versus just going out there with no game plan, no race plan, any of that. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Uh, Claire Corbett joining us. Your, your answer to the question about when your coaches or somebody said, hey, you know, you should be a heptathlete, and you said, what is that? It strikes me that you must not have had a hovering mom in terms of your your mother was a very successful competitive University of Oregon heptathlete, right? I mean, she put up some really yes. good numbers, So she, but she hadn't even told you exactly what it was, so she didn't grow up telling you about all her glories, evidently. <laughs> yeah, I, my mom is a very humble person, and she... Both of my parents, my dad was a big lacrosse guy, my mom, a big track and field um, woman. And I knew they both did either respective sport, but I think growing up there was never a pressure for me to love track. I kind of fell in love with it on my own. And then it just so happened my mom was great at it, too. <laughs> did that help, Claire? But yes, I, I, I knew about her collegiate career, but I she never had really gone into quite Yeah much detail about it did that help for you to listen to her when if and when she started to kind of train you and give you an idea about the the throw events that you weren't used to because you know there's a trend you know being a dad and 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 all of that myself there's a trend where kids they don't believe anything that their parents tell them (laughs) if their coach or their teacher says like you know, Michael Jordan's son might say, well, that's not what my coach says, Dad, and this is to the greatest in the world. So as you're coming at it, when your mom started to, if you're seeking her out and she's very humble, I would imagine that you weren't plagued by that problem uh, where that if she did yeah. teach you stuff, you listened to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think she was a big help Um for me to get introduced to it. She hasn't been much on like my coaching side for training since in college with, um, with my coaches and stuff, but I definitely turn to her on the daily when I need more of the mental coaching or the inspiration or, um, her kind of pushing me to go, to go further and, her knowing that I'm capable. Were your family, were your parents able to come to Griswold at Lewis and Clark this past weekend? Were they able to come at all to the Hayward premiere if you competed in that? Will they be able to go to the Oregon Relays this weekend? Yeah, so for the Oregon premiere, we got, um, each student athlete got two uh, guest passes, and I ended up being able to snag two more from a, um, a teammate who wasn't using them and it was actually it was great my mom um invited some of her old girlfriends from the track team that they're still really close with and they all got to watch me at the grand premiere of their old track which is pretty cool along with my dad of course but um and then for lewis and clark there was no guest allowed but um Another one of the U of O track girls that my mom's best friends with coaches at Lewis and Clark, so she was able to get a guest pass through her. And then same deal with this coming weekend um, for the Oregon Relays. 
uh, with the two guest classes per student-athlete. So having your mom competing in the old and going to watch the new and then you competing in the new, what are the facilities like? What did she say? And, and her, her friends like, oh, I can't believe we didn't have this. And then <laughs> what, what was it like for you? Like, are the throw areas on the infield or is there anything special about it? Or is it just a really nice version of what track is? Um, yeah, it, it was really nice. I've competed there um, in high school every year for the state track meet as well, so I had some experience on the track beforehand. But, um, yeah, the throws, I believe the hammer was outside of the track and the jab was on the track. Um, I mean, all the facilities were just state-of-the-art, like nothing less than what you would expect with that grand of a renovation. Um, yeah, it was nice too with the, um, they had a nice holding center from, um, before they sent us out to our lanes in our block mm. with, um, like a 60 meter runway for you to continue warming up on while you waited. I'm, I'm pretty sure they had, my mom told me later on, but she heard that there was a nail salon and a barber shop in there i didn't see it but <laughs> probably yeah i've heard that it's pretty amazing yeah hey claire, claire corbett <laughs> joining us for you to come to oregon state how did that happen when you're being recruited i mean give us uh, your story if you don't mind how you ended up here and how you're enjoying the experience i hope your mom was on board with it having competed at the other place but what are your thoughts about yeah. that claire <laughs> Yeah, actually, how I ended up at Oregon State is kind of um, a funny story. I feel like I've said it so many times that I kind of have good, bad luck where kind of things take a turn, but then somehow it all manages to work out. Um, I was being recruited from the coach that's not currently our coach now, mm-hmm. and um along with some other schools and stuff. And I was thinking to myself, like, I went on my official visit here. I liked it. I enjoyed the school. And I think ultimately I was also trying to pick a place that um, I would enjoy if for some forsaken reason I was not able to do track and field anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think Oregon State gave me that as well. Um, And... Yeah, I I ended up calling one of my best friends from childhood who also does track and field and uh my and her mom did uh track with my mom. They were like roommates freshman year on the track team and I called her and I was like, Hey, you wanna come here with me and be my roommate? <laughs> like, I'll go if you go. Okay. And she's like, Okay. Nice. <laughs> so nice. it's pretty, it's pretty funny that uh our parents were yeah. roommates during their college career, and then we were roommates for two years during our collegiate career. Um, but, yeah, uh, it ended up the coaching staff got rearranged, and it wasn't exactly what I had signed up for, but it ended up being even better than what I had signed up for, to be honest. Um and I think they really, the new coaching staff really brought what I didn't realize that I needed in a coach 
before committing here. So it, it was a weird experience to kind of go into my first year of college, and we didn't know who the coach was. Nothing had been um, really uh, determined yet. And then we got our new coaching staff and all that, and it's more than I could have asked for from the beginning. That's great to hear. I'm glad it worked out that way, even with all of the anxiety that might have gone along with it. It sounds like it has worked out well. Last couple of things. What are you um, What are you studying, and what do you hope to do? In your bio online, it says a prospective marketing major. I don't know if that's an old bio or whether that's still the case. Have you declared? What are you working towards? What do you have yes, an interest I, in? Is, yeah, that that's old. Okay. Um, I'm actually graduating with my marketing degree um, this term. Congratulations! So what do you have in mind? Thank you. What are you thinking in terms of? You know, I would love to stay connected with um, sports and athletics and stuff like that, maybe doing um, more marketing campaigns for um, sports advertising or something along that field. I haven't determined the, like, straight path to that yet, Mm -hmm. but um, working towards getting into that field would be really cool. One of the things your bio does say, and I'd be interested because it sounds, if what I read is accurate, that you volunteer at Rose Haven. Is that a company your mom works at? Is that, and what what is Rose Haven exactly, and how is it? Uh, is that a field or an area that that uh, you've appreciated watching your mom and others work in? Yes, for sure. My mom is um, the executive director for Rose Haven, which is a women's homeless shelter in downtown Portland. Um, And, I I mean, she's worked there for as long as I can really remember at this point. And I've kind of grown up being around um, the shelter, working with the guests, volunteering. And I feel like it's really just shown me... um, I mean, my mom's amazing. She works every day to make a difference um, in the community and the marginalized community of Portland. Um, yeah, it, I, it's been great to be able to um, kind of put my toes into um, giving back to the community because I feel like that's something that I also could see myself um, getting involved with after college with my um, degree. Good for you. Final thing, and that is this weekend. Tell us, I mentioned you're competing in the 200, the 100 hurdles, and the long jump. How excited are you to go back there again and be involved in those events? And of those three, what are you, I guess, most excited about this weekend? Yeah, I'm really excited for this weekend. I'm doing, um, I did those same three events last weekend. And so, I feel like I'm ready to step back out there and make the necessary adjustments that and little tweaks that got me last time. Um, and overall, just have fun. I feel like it's just a fun atmosphere and makes you feel... Um, I, I feel like with COVID this year, some meets haven't been as um, adrenaline rushing, maybe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, to say. Um, since we're not able to travel to these big meets as much as we usually would be in the past. So it's really great to have this kind of in our 
um, in our backyard and something that really gets the adrenaline pumping and heart racing. It's always uh, good for yeah. to get fast with good like that. Absolutely. Well, we'll be following the results and uh, look forward to hearing good good news and good reports. Glad that you get to have some uh, loved ones and family there cheering you on and supporting you as you've been able to here recently in this very challenging year. Thanks for taking time yeah. for us, Claire. It's a pleasure to meet you, and congratulations on uh, graduating. Good for you. We'll be following you this weekend, and thanks for taking time for us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Claire Corbett, our guest on the Joe Beaver Show. Now, Joel Walker and the Oregon State men's soccer team, NCAA tournament bound and a tough field to make, and the Beavers are in. He'll join us in a few minutes. We'll take a quick break, come back, regroup a bit, and then come back with Joel in a few minutes. Thanks for joining us today on 1240 Joe Radio. Have you seen Highland Bulls expanded strike zone lounge? Stop by for a burger, pizza, a hot or a cold sandwich, or a salad. There's appetizers and snacks too. And the prices are so low on beer and spirits, it's like happy hour all day. Enjoy your favorite Oregon lottery games too. Highland Bowl. It isn't just for bowlers anymore. Stop by and check out the expanded strike zone lounge at Highland Bowl on 9th Street in Corvallis. We sell them up, you knock them down. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. So if you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Is there ever a reason you wouldn't want to feel confident? <laughs> I didn't think so. At the Natty Dresser in downtown Albany, confidence is exactly what we want to inspire. When you wear quality clothing that fits you perfectly, you feel great and act with confidence. Don't just dress for where you are, dress for where you want to be. The Natty Dresser, purveyors of quality menswear on the corner of 2nd and Broad Alban Street in historic downtown Albany. Dress well, be confident, find success. COVID has changed a lot of things in our lives, and it can be hard for anyone. If you're struggling to cope, you don't have to go it alone. There's strength in reaching out. When you call the Safe and Strong Helpline, you can find support in your community. It's free and private, so your information won't be shared. Call 800-923-HELP to connect with someone who's ready to listen and who cares. That's 800-923-4357. We're stronger in community. Now leading off for your tax and wealth management team, Paul Witzke on deck, David Mendenhall, batting third, Robert Berry, and batting cleanup, Bill Heck. Come be part of their starting lineup. Whether you're looking to save money for college, retirement, or need advice on estate strategies, with 40 years in business, tax and wealth management has the experience you need to hit that grand slam. Visit TaxAndWealthManagement.com and start your journey on the road to success. 
Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. All right. Good uh, Good afternoon. Ooh, a Glennie. beautiful day. What? Glennie, what? Glennie writes in, rain is great news for allergy sufferers. Okay. Well, that's true. See, every day, anytime you say, oh, what a gorgeous night. <laughs> what a beautiful weekend. Not necessarily. I'm sure your last caller meant everyone strikes out except Nick Madrigal. MLB.com story that Nick strikes out 4% of the time. His contact rate on pitches out of the strike zone is 96%, 92% on pitches in the strike zone, and hits 341 on two strike counts. Thank you for that. That's a good text uh, from I'm not sure whom, but on the University Honda text line. The owners of the Ram says the orange one. The owners of the Rams and Buccaneers each own a European soccer club. Tomorrow we'll have to take this whole Super League European, you know, 12 teams trying to, a sense, defect and create mm-hmm. their own. One of the upshots of the Dan Wolken story, we made, the, we made the story, you know, how about that? We made the story. Well, Oregon State did. Yeah, in this sense. Yeah, but here's how he who, frames who would the, be left out. Yeah, well, what he says is, here's a paragraph within the story about the merits of going to a super league. He's not advocating it, and he's not even saying it's coming up or mm-hmm, around the mm-hmm. corner. He is just saying, imagine the possibilities and how lucrative and popular and great it would be. He writes. But the basic idea of building a season around the richest, most elite, most watched clubs playing each other makes perfect sense as a college football product. So he's talking, comparing soccer clubs and now, okay, but here in college football, he says, how about this? Yeah. What's more attractive for television? A USC schedule of Arizona, Oregon State, Utah, and Stanford, or a USC schedule of Oklahoma, Penn State, LSU and Florida State. Is that a leading question? (laughs) I don't even. We we can talk about it tomorrow. We will. We don't have time today. You know, this isn't new. No, it's not. We we just went through this when Larry Scott was first hired. And he was, remember, bringing in Texas and and all these other schools were going to be a part of the Pac-12 conference to make it the Pac-16. And here's the other point within that as he goes to the Big Ten. He said, within those conferences, just like in European soccer, there are more valuable entities and less valuable entities. Regardless of how much they win, Ohio State and Michigan drive more of the Big Ten's profits than Purdue and Minnesota, yet they all make the same amount of television money. The SEC doesn't really need Mississippi State and Vanderbilt to make gobs of cash, yet they get the same one-fourteenth share as Alabama and Georgia last year. That share was $45.5 million. As it television. should be. It should all be. All 14 get the same. Yes, and all 12 in our league. It should be because it, it 
it's not about making it. It's not a private deal. It's there not. They're more not pros. valuable entities and less valuable. Yeah, well, entities. too bad. They're schools. <laughs> they're quote unquote schools, okay. and they're still collegiate athletes. We're sliding right down that slope know, right into pro sports. I know, and I do sports. feel exactly. And I do feel. I mean, who knows, John? Where where all how this is all going to look in ten years? Yeah, five or ten years from now. You know, I I don't know. Um, I, I do feel like we are. We are in the early stages of some pretty, you know, with the even just with the transfer rules, and now with yeah the, uh, the, the portal image, oh. yeah the portal name and image, image no penalties, name image likeness, a lot of issues are they're just kind of they're simmering, they're they're getting hotter, they're uh-huh. moving in certain directions. Well, and again, I say ten years from now, the landscape will look. I think quite different than it does. Right. And the most recent ruling, which was last week where the NCAA basically said from now on, a football player can transfer with no sit out rule, but they can only do it once in basketball. You see guys going to four different schools in four different years, but, um, the ruling is oh you can only do it once, but still, just even having that oh. where you can transfer. Wait a second, you mean you can play for Oregon one day and in the next year be on Oregon State or vice versa or Arizona? Mike Babb once punted for both schools. Bert's son, I believe, Mike Babb punted for both schools and had but had to sit out the yeah, year. Yeah, I think he did. Did Let's there see. used to be a rule that if you went in conference transfer, it was two years sit out? Uh, there may have been. I, I don't know the answer. I to that. thought there I think was. you may be right. Let's break and we'll come back with Joel Walker on happy news, good news, great news for Coach Boss and the men's soccer team. What a year they've had. Joel will reflect on it with us next on 1240 Joe Radio. This is Jake the Glassman. Come see me at my new location at 3335 Ferry Street Southwest in Albany or give me a call. For auto glass solutions, better call the Glassman. Call 541-760-2277. Call the Glassman. Kawasaki KX is the most storied brand in the sport of motocross. We've earned our reputation by making champions out of countless riders. The winning legacy continues with the Kawasaki KX450 and KX250 motorcycles. The numbers don't lie. It's your turn to take the lead on the Kawasaki KX, the bike that builds champions. Don't miss Power Motorsports Spring Sale. You'll save time and money online at PowerMotorsports.com. Is there ever a reason you wouldn't want to feel confident? (laughs) I didn't think so. At the Natty Dresser in downtown Albany, confidence is exactly what we want to inspire. When you wear quality clothing that fits you perfectly, you feel great and act with confidence. Don't just dress for where you are. Dress for where you want to be. The Natty Dresser. Purveyors of quality menswear on the corner of 2nd and Broad Alvin Street in historic downtown Albany. Dress well, be confident, find success. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. 
So if you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team. Always putting you first. Garrity offers five-star customer service. That's why we've been receiving hundreds and hundreds of five-star reviews from satisfied customers. The best service experience we've ever had. Guarantee went the extra mile to get everything done quickly. Check Garrity out on Google Reviews, and you'll see that five-star customer service is our top priority. Absolute best service I've ever had while buying a vehicle. They truly take care of you and do what's right. These are real customer reviews from your friends and neighbors. And a big shout out and thank you to all the hardworking employees who make this possible. Well, they have a very helpful parts department. They went out of their way to get me back on the road. Even the Gurney Cafe gets five stars when you want to grab a bite to eat. I ate breakfast here today and it's the best breakfast I ever had. When you're ready for five-star customer service, big city selection, and country savings, you can depend on Garrity in Junction City. After all, we don't just sell fun, we guarantee it. All right. The Joe Beaver Show continues, and among the many tremendous stories that have come, it's been a good year for Oregon State Athletics. Just yeah, been, it really has. Really a lot of uh, Given exciting all the challenges things, too. inspiring things. Exactly. During one of the more challenging years that uh, the, the earth has known, quite frankly, certainly for the entire uh, globe in this year of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. And in our world here, uh, the opportunity to be able to come back and, and watch our student athletes play, for them to be able to play games again. And while it's all been different than any other year, We've seen some amazing things uh, roll out and play out. And one of the great stories recently, the Oregon State men's soccer team, back in the NCAA tournament, getting a first round by one of 36 teams. The entire tournament will take place in North Carolina, I think beginning May 2nd. To kind of bring us up to speed on the season and the excitement ahead, uh, a gentleman who's been on the show a few times over the years and a pleasure to visit again with Joel Walker, a midfielder on the NCAA tournament-bound Oregon State men's soccer team. Joel, good afternoon. Thanks for taking time. Congratulations. It's been a while since we've talked, but these must be exciting days for you, your teammates, and uh, congratulations on the great accomplishment. Hey, Mike, thank you so much. Um, so excited uh, to be back on the show. I know it's been a little while. But, um, yeah, seriously, the team is looking forward to heading out to North Carolina next week. Um, we are focused right now. It's just one game, one day at a time, starting with training this week. So um, just feeling extremely blessed right now, seriously. Okay, we have a lot to get to. This is John. Uh, uh, a quick question, though. How do you pronounce your teammate's name, Sofian J. Fall? Sophie on Jafal. Okay, I wasn't too far off. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, not, 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 not I'm that was pretty good. <laughs> not bad for a first stab Yeah, at not, it, right? not bad. Yeah. Tell us about, um, you guys made it despite the fact they condensed it to 36 teams. I mean, uh, props to you guys. Oh, thank you. It's, it's truly an honor, and uh, Coach just talked to the squad, I believe yesterday morning, um, just about, we were placed as the 11th seed, uh, which is uh, it's, it's a true honor. But uh, uh, one of my friends texted me the other day, and he was like, man, at the end of the day, it's, it's all even playing field right now for everybody who entered the tournament. So 
Uh, just looking forward to taking a stab at this first game. Joel, uh, when you think about it, and, and I know that because I experienced it and traveled with the men's basketball team, there must be a level of excitement whenever any one of the teams at Oregon State in any sport makes any kind of a run. I don't know how much you followed or whether you have friends, brothers on the men's basketball team, but what does it do for everybody in the university and fellow student-athletes when you, when you saw what the Beaver men's basketball team did? Oh, man, Mike, it, it brings so much excitement. Seriously, I remember... I can't recall if it was the uh, Elite Eight, I believe, actually. We were coming back from Cal Berkeley, and I was watching the game um, at the airport. And, man, just like the, the, the whole team has their, their phones, their laptops up, and it just shows that the university is just, uh, especially at she's just like, it's, it's a big family. And uh, I know a few of the guys on the team, I was texting Ethan and Zach throughout the tournament, and uh, just wishing them luck, and uh, it's just it's just it's just so much fun to see just another team succeed and kind of root for them. Especially, um, we know that they're not underdogs in our heart, but when the nation sees them as underdogs, it's, just, it's always fun just to kind of uh, see them overcome any adversity that that that, that 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 they face. Joel, the trajectory of your team's own season. What was there a key moment or when? I mean, when you had Stanford down two to nothing and they ended up coming back and getting yeah. you, I thought, oh gosh, I hope that doesn't. I hope that doesn't in any way break the spirit. It didn't. And then when you got another shot at him, you beat him. Uh, I mean, what about the season as a whole and some of the great high moments along the way and how you you just kept playing and and eventually get yourself in this position. Oh man, it's it's probably been one of the most enjoyable and beautiful seasons. Um, really, because of the adversity we faced when we lost three games in a row, or I guess four out of five games um, towards the back end of the season. And Mike, um, like those little moments—they're uh, just all learning moments. Um, truly, the way we, we've taken the, the early losses and then these past two wins was just that um, there are little details that maybe we're fortunate fortunate enough to. Uh, 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 maybe have a blind spot too in our first six wins, but um, you know once you enter Pac-12 play, those those little details you can't really take. Uh, uh, it, they're costly. They're very costly. And so those losses, the, the, the Stanford comeback, uh, mm-hmm. the three losses back to back to back. I was talking to Coach Boss the other day, and uh, I think in my we were saying I think in our three years together we had never lost three games in a row. So just those little moments, uh, those losses really built our character and taught us to uh, uh, stay hungry for the little details we head into this tournament. Joel, with Coach Boss, two out of his three years with you, you guys have gone to the tournament. Yeah. What has he meant? And I know you're old enough to have, have been on both sides. What has he brought and meant that really has your team playing at a high level all the time? Um, I'll say it's, it's for sure two things. One is it's character and a different brand of football. Um, I think the character encompasses everything um, in terms of Coach Boss. One of Coach Boss's favorite statements is that uh, being a pro is not the two hours on the field, but it's the 22 hours off the field. And so um, he's really done a great job of making sure, wanting to ensure that his athletes use soccer as a vehicle and those two hours we have on the field um, um, to inspire people around around the, the facility, around the nation. And so um, he's done a great job of that by bringing um, so many different internationals together and um, kind of just piecing the team together as a family. And so 
I've had the privilege of just growing close to a coach boss and seeing his girls grow over these past couple of years. And it's been a joy. He's actually been my my flight buddy on these California trips coming back. So we've been able to have some good conversations, just catch up a bit. Yeah, that's that's nice. Now you mentioned uh, you know the international aspect: Spain, Spain, Senegal. Canada, are, is, is he or someone from the staff going to all these places, or are these kids that are playing in tournaments here in the States where they can see him? No, uh, Coach, Coach BDK, Coach Boss, they're, they're heading to Paris. They're heading to uh, these different areas. I, I, know, I know when it comes to Senegal, for sure, I don't think they went there, but I just think through like a player like Mo, who came from came from Radford, but he's from Senegal and has these ties. We're able to have kind of these uh, three-way FaceTimes or, or WhatsApp phone calls to have that connection. And, um, that, that's really how the, the connection has been built in, in, in some different areas. Joel Walker joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. Joel, how much, how close are you? I mean, this, this international roster, it's amazing the number of players, for, as John just alluded to. How close do you get and how much do you learn of your teammates' stories and their upbringing and, and maybe even around social justice and some of the issues that, that you've been very much involved with as part of Damn Change. You have a roster that is a a worldwide-oriented group of young men. Do you guys yeah. engage in some interesting conversations around all of these things? Oh, 100%. It's actually, that was actually one of our um, – conversations today at the end of each training coach boss asked um one player um what were you grateful for today Carlos Molnar said he's grateful for all the different cultures that he's been able to learn about on the team he was asking um Usman about Ramadan and just asking that he's being curious and is learning more about how his his upbringing and just all, all these different things that um he never would have known about if, if, if the team wasn't so diverse for sure and even when it comes to like social justice, it's been really cool to see um, a lot of my teammates from the uh, international perspective who maybe don't understand the deep history of the United States or just haven't really uh, experienced it growing up. And to see them engage and ask questions and even participate in different uh, damn change meetings or just, just really ask questions has been really, uh, really impactful. Joel, you were born, your biography tells us, in Liberia. How old were you when you moved to the United States? Uh, I was just uh, a little boy, two and a half, in my, in my little overalls coming from Liberia. <laughs> <laughs> and what what led to the move? How did your family come? What was the reason for coming here? Yeah, so my father was uh, completing his schooling. Um, I actually just even learned some more about our story this past winter break, but there were two civil wars in Liberia, and so we were kind of transitioning among, amongst the, the detriments. But uh, I just learned that even uh, throughout all of that, my dad, he came to the U.S. We came to the U.S. for him to finish his doctorate at a university in Chicago. But uh, prior to that, he did his master's in Kenya. He went to, uh, did his undergrad in, in, in Liberia. And so uh, we were just very, very blessed, very blessed to navigate through the civil war and uh, my mom, my sister during the time, and my dad during the time to um, end up at a, uh, I don't want to say a refugee camp, but it was a place called ELWA in Liberia. It's just a, a place for uh, for ministry and to, to house families. And my dad was able to continue doing the schooling there. And so um, when it came time for him to get his doctorate, the whole family came to the States. And 
Um, different families from the church really looked after us. Uh, I remember families mowing us their car, living in, in, the, in the suburbs outside of Chicago. And so um, just really, really thankful to be here today. Yeah, Joel, we're, and we're thankful you've joined the show again with us today. The, i got to ask you about a couple of your teammates uh, who have had remarkable years. John took a stab at the name and was actually pretty close <laughs> with Sophie and Jeff Fall. Gloria Monda. What I mean, those two yeah. guys, tell us a little bit about those two, what it's been like to play with them this year. <laughs> Man, it's, uh, it's a joy. These guys are competitive, passionate, uh, talented. Um, starting with Sofian, I mean, I, I think the, the evidence is in the, was it in the, in the pudding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think with Sofian, we're, uh, what, seven and eight and oh, without Jafar, we're, we're one and four, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you just see just the kind of impact this leader brings to the team. That's why he's one of our captains and, uh, a highly credited and, 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 and accoladed player across the nation. And, um, it's a joy to work on him. He pushes you each and every day. Uh, he doesn't. He, he doesn't want players to to play in a mediocre state because he knows how great people can be. And as for uh, for Mr. Gloria Monda, uh, this, this guy's just his own breed. Um, I was even talking with Coach Boss the other day about how people are saying he's having a a great year, um, but we just think this is, this is just glory. Um, if you look back to his freshman year, uh, he was he was entering college soccer and. And, and and playing well, and then a sophomore balancing injuries. So that's what, that definitely was a big uh, uh, kind of block in, in his success. But this is his glory being glory this year. So mm-hmm. uh, really happy to see him continue to mature and just serve the team to the best of his ability. Hey, Joel, with all – I mean, there I, I went down the entire list and was even amazed at, at uh, how – culturally diverse and how many guys are from all over the world do they bring a different type of game and then is it up to coach boss to melt it into one game or or does he let you guys go how does it work with their games from where they grow up and the culture of soccer that they grow up oh man it's it's definitely all complimentary for sure um and especially coach boss and his staff he's very I call them a tactical genius. I call the staff the tactical geniuses. We spend lots of hours in film. These guys spend lots of hours analyzing our training and sessions. And so when it comes to bringing in all these different internationals on the pitch, um, it's just a matter of, of expressing uh, their, their talent and skills in kind of culture and direction of our team. And so it's been really fun. The, the, the Spanish guys have the uh, Crespo, uh, Moli, these guys are just very uh, kind of tiki-taka style, you know, Sofian and, and Gail, very strong, very fast on the ball. You know, uh, Joe Hafferty and I'm probably more, more on the uh, uh, just athletic side and, 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 and more directional and, uh, and in terms of going lend up the field. So um, all these kind of different characteristics of the team across the, the, the globe uh, really mesh well together in Coach Boss's system. And Joel, how's it worked for you? The kind of year you've had working with all of these guys, and the style you brought with you. When when did you start playing the sport? Uh, I mean, I started playing when I was just three years old. Uh, excuse me, four years old actually. Uh, when I came to the states, my dad was my coach. But um, I remember when I came to college, I got moved to the uh, the right midfielder position because I enjoyed taking players on one on one. 
pressing players. And so, um, really, my, my, my heart was just to work and serve to my teammates. And so, um, whatever way I could do that for uh, my freshman year, Steve Simmons, and this past two years, Coach Boss, mm-hmm. uh, I've been very, very blessed to, to have this opportunity. Joel, it is a, a pleasure always to visit with you. Thanks for taking time for us. So when do you leave for North Carolina? When is your date, departure date? I believe it's April 29th. Is that a Thursday? Uh, I believe we're handing out some teams on that first round that Thursday, but I think we'll be flying out to NC that day. Okay, a week from tomorrow. And you then, stay. Yeah. the whole thing is in North Carolina. You just kind of stay in a bubble and until the tournament's done? Uh, to, to, from my knowledge, yes. <laughs> I'm actually really excited for uh, to kind of be in this little bubble and uh, kind of just have his time to focus on uh, school and soccer. I, th- I think it would be really nice. Yeah. Joel, thanks for making time for us. We'll be uh, following hey. you closely. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, sir, and thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, John, Mike, thank you so much. Thank you, Joel. Joel Walker, good kid. Yeah. And, yeah. and that roster, though. John, oh my gosh! I mean, I go through the yeah, countries. Just this. go through the countries. I mean, you, you can even name our, you know, the United States, but just go, okay, go through t- the whole thing. Look at this real quick. Yeah. Uh, okay, you don't S- have to name the Santa player. Barbara, California, yeah. Madrid, Spain, Oregon City, uh, France, Nottingham, England, <laughs> Senegal, Cameroon, another Spain, another Spain, Burnaby, uh, Alberta. Uh, France, Colorado Springs, that was Joel Walker, Uh, but he came from Liberia originally. Senegal, Corvallis, Oregon City, Spain again, South Africa, South Africa, another Spain, Mission Viejo, California, uh, St. Mary's, Minnesota, Renton, Washington, uh, Yuma, Arizona, Corvallis High School in Corvallis, Brendan Herb, uh, Lake Oswego, Portland, Corvallis, Salt Lake, uh, and then Portland. But yeah, all those Spains amazing. and yes. France, uh, that's amazing. It is. Roman Gabriel. That's a lot of travel for the coaches. Yeah, well, they've done a great job. It, it's a compelling team. Coach Boss has done a tremendous job. I asked for Coach today. His schedule didn't allow. We'll yeah. keep trying, maybe try to get him on before they yeah. do depart. We need to take a final break. We will. We'll wrap up the show. If you have any thoughts you'd like to contribute, to 497-5356, 497-5356 on the Downward Dog phone line, the University Honda text line. We have Michael in Lebanon, who is a rabid Mariners fan. And whenever we talk Mariners, he texts and is a huge fan. Michael, have you been to a game yet this year? Do you make? Have you made the cut? You were, you were in cutout form there last year. That's right. Have you been to a game yet this year? Do you have plans to go? How difficult are single-game tickets to get for the Mariners now? You know, they... They talk about suites available, right? I hear yeah. Goldsmith. They just, I, just the figure they drop in makes me chuckle when I think about it. You know, he'll say, "Well, we, get, we rent out a Mariner suite. The, the, the suite prices start at twelve hundred dollars, and you know." And I just think, okay. And then when I start thinking about how many people can get in there, if you can get ten to fourteen, then yeah, it's hundred bucks a bad each. Deal. Are you kidding me? I'd pay hundred yeah, bucks. Yeah, no, I get it, but just. To get into a, a Mariner game, Michael, yeah. anybody else, feel free to jump in. 
And we've ventured, we will talk a little more about the Blazers on Friday with Dwight. Is it the end? This is the end. <laughs> Cue up the doors for Terry Stotts. Is it? And one fan here in the building, not that he relishes Stotts getting fired, but he says, yeah. Yeah, it is, and it's good. <laughs> I mean, are, do you feel that way, Blazer fan? How disappointed are you? Or do you say, nah, look out, it ain't over. This no, story's not no. over. They, lo- they lost to Charlotte. Charlotte had a four-game losing streak, a-, a game under 500. Blazers go over there and lose. Now, again, they- they're missing guys, yes. but... But you don't lose those it games. It doesn't feel right. And then Even getting blown AJ, out by good teams. AJ said, this is the time of year usually when they're kind of, hey, yeah. here we go. And even at the beginning when there wasn't problems because you hadn't played enough games for you to be too far behind, but there was all these issues about defense. Coach Charles Stott's Barkley defense. said two months ago early, I mean, at halftime of a TNT show, yeah. Barkley loves the – I mean, he's probably off him now, yeah. but he was loving him. But they came to a halftime show, and Barkley said, the Trailblazers play with less of a sense of urgency than almost any team I see in the <laughs> league. And that's a comment about the defensive stuff, yeah. right, ultimately. We break, we come back, 1240 Joe Radio. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. For auto glass solutions, better call a glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the Glassman. Come see me at my new location at 3335 Ferry Street Southwest in Albany or give me a call. For Auto Glass Solutions, better call the Glassman. Call 541-760-2277. Call the Glassman. Now leading off for your tax and wealth management team, Paul Witzke on deck. David Mendenhall, batting third, Robert Berry, and batting cleanup, Bill Heck. Come be part of their starting lineup. Whether you're looking to save money for college, retirement, or need advice on estate strategies, with 40 years in business, Axon Wealth Management has the experience you need to hit that grand slam. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com and start your journey on the road to success. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eaves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. So if you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Former Sonic great. Oh, yeah, Nate McMillan yeah, and then, then Terry Stotts. Yes, you got him. So I got Pretty all good run. run. A history of Blazer coaches. John just 
pretty much got every one with a little except hint here and there. I gave you the former Sonic great, gave you the who helped ca- with the national anthem yeah, on yeah, Bo Cheeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who came after Roland Todd? Jack McCloskey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jack McCloskey for two years before the great Lenny Wilkins. And then Lenny was a player coach. Yes. A lot of people don't remember that. Yeah, well, Shaq himself. Lenny, did you used to play the game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. Jack sidles up to Lenny. That's terrible. Some, did you used to play? And Lenny just smiled and said, well, yeah, I played a little I bit. I played a little bit. Let's go to a Paul as we wrap it up on the Joe Beaver Show for today. Paul, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Mike. I was telling John earlier off the air that I ran across an article last night, and I think it was when I was trying to get uh, the feed from the baseball game last night. It was an article about Nick Madrigal. But so far this year, he's only swung and missed one pitch. Plus, he's hit a home run, so he's hit as much many home runs as he's had strikes for missing. <laughs> so, do, does he have? Did he hit home run this year? They, that's what the article said. Oh, okay. He got a home yeah, run, or maybe it was a triple. It yeah, might I think, have been a triple. I think it was a triple against Boston in, on Patriots Day the other day. Yeah, there you go. That that was a triple, not a home run. So yeah, you, I guess that's equating how hard it is to hit a triple versus how hard it is to <laughs> swing and miss. Uh, not to swing and miss. Right. Right. Well, he has. Uh, he is unbelievable in that respect, and and it sounds as though if the article was praising him, right, as a guy that's kind of just a a wizard at the dish, a great two strike hitter, doesn't strike out. Let's always let's hope and believe there's always going to be a place for him in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think I think he's there to stay now. I mean, I I can't imagine the manager not knowing what he's got. Yeah. Uh, Larusa has a good feel for uh, for all styles of baseball, yeah. having been around as yeah. long as he has. So I'm sure he really enjoys putting Nick in the lineup every day. Yeah, you got it. Just a little nugget for you, Mike. Thank you, Thanks. Paul. Yeah, I did see an article along those lines somewhere in the Twitter sphere, whatever else. I also saw Nick's smiling face on a tweet with Toyota and some sort of I hope I hope he's got some sort of endorsement deal or something going with Toyota in the Chicago land area. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. I I don't know the detail on that. Could probably look it up, but we we'll try to work to get Nick on sometime. Mm-hmm. He's always been good to the show and good to us through the years. Uh, but I'd like to know the detail on on Toyota and, and Toyota, which is a great sponsor of all Oregon State athletics. Uh, it, it would be nice indeed if uh, Nick has gotten a kind of a first major sort of endorsement deal. Yeah. It might be local in the Chicagoland area, but good for him. That was the upshot of what I saw in a tweet. I don't know exactly what the details are, but if he comes on the show, perhaps we could ask him about it. I, he just, I marvel. He is such a great kid. Yeah, yeah. He would do it. He would totally do it if he had time. They would never big time. I don't think so. No, you I anyway. So. Yeah, I don't believe so. He he wasn't here very long though. 
but no. you had him for one summer in in uh, Knights baseball. Well, he was here for th- you know he played three seasons with yeah. the Beavers and a summer with the Knights. So he, I was around him from fifteen through eighteen. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good run with a kid who who always you know the, the, my favorite answer to almost any question a student athlete at, that has been at Oregon State has been asked, who is your favorite athlete growing up? And remember what his answer was? I don't, actually. Jake Rodriguez. Oh, yes. Remember that? Yeah. That was his connection to coming here. Yes. And two guys from Elk Grove. What a sweet answer that – yeah, you know, yeah, I know who Derek Jeter is. And, uh, <laughs> I've heard of some Dustin Pedro. I've heard of some of these players. But my favorite, the guy that meant the most to me, Jake Rodriguez. That's a good answer. Absolutely. I I would totally do a thing like that if there was some kid you looked up to when you were young. And even if they didn't go on to huge things. We are. Uh, but Jake did. Yeah, and he's doing a great job with the program. Thanks to all of you for listening to us today. We'll try it again tomorrow. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio.